Hello, my name is Mike Cantrell. Welcome to the Prison Officer Podcast, a place where we can have a talk about those of us that have been forgotten behind the walls and fences of our prisons in the United States. We deal with problems that most people don't understand and never will that are very specific to uh, corrections. This podcast is a place for us to have discussions, to learn, and to educate ourselves about those problems. Today, episode four, I want to have a a talk that I know affects all of us in some way, and that is the stress that we take back home, whether it be to our wives, our children, our mothers and fathers, or other family members. But what we do affects the people that live with us and care for us. I'm very lucky today to have a special guest. Um, We've been married for as long as I've been working corrections, so she's put up with a lot. She's lived with a correctional officer a long time. So let's start out, and let's. I'm going to introduce my wife, Catherine. How are you doing today, Kathy? Great. It's a pleasure to be here. We've talked about this between ourselves a lot over the years, trying to get through it, trying to deal with some of the problems that come with working in corrections and the way it affects your entire life. So in 1992, I went to work at Missouri State Penitentiary in Jefferson City, Missouri. Um, At the time, that was known as the bloodiest 47 acres in America. It was, we had over 3,000 inmates in there. It's a a penitentiary built in 1838. And I had no idea what I was fixing or what I was getting into. I had no idea the amount of violence that was in those uh, places, in the prisons. I had no idea... Uh, what my job would even entail. So I went in there totally blind. Uh, Kathy and I were dating at the time. And um, I got an apartment. We moved about three and a half hours, or I moved about three and a half hours away from her. And so we were only seeing each other on the weekends at that time. And um, did you notice anything during that time period? I feel like I noticed it immediately. I hadn't seen you in three weeks and then when you came back I think I made the comment to you to stop posturing me Mm -hmm. even though I didn't know what had changed or why you had changed I knew immediately by looking at your body language something was different about you so when you say posturing you had a real straight back you had a real firm demeanor about you you weren't the young, carefree kid that you were just a few weeks ago. Of course, we were very young people, 21, 22 years old. There was just this huge change in your overall uh, posture, your demeanor. Yeah, um, and I'll <laughs> agree with that. I, I noticed it myself. I wasn't. Uh, I was not ready to walk in that penitentiary. Uh, hadn't lived the kind of life that uh, where you had seen the violence, the gangs, um, dealt with very early on, second or third day, I dealt with a stabbing that I was directly involved in. Um, so those things were very different for me. Did you notice changes when we went out in public? Did I change that way? I know you've mentioned over the years, I don't like sitting with my back to a door. I feel like that's something I learned to notice at first. I didn't notice these things. I just thought this was reality, something you dealt with, and I didn't really know you that well. 
Okay. I mean, I hadn't known you for a long, long period of time. What about socially? Did we did we change what we did socially? Um, I know early on we went to a few concerts, and then I remember a long stretch in our lives where we didn't go to places like that or venues like that. We didn't have the money. You know, I took it more as financial than job-related. I think in my mind it was job-related. Okay. I didn't want to be around crowds. I felt like I was, every day I was surrounded by crowds. I was um, blocked in by people. And so when I got off work, I wanted to be more alone. So I, I think maybe I noticed that. Let me, let me go back here to uh, the article by Brandy Aldridge. She's the wife of the corrections officer in Vermont. She's the one that originally wrote this article. She said, I didn't realize how lonely being a CO spouse would be. I was expecting the 60-hour weeks sometimes, but that sometimes turned into most of the time. Night shift automatically put us on opposite schedules with different days of the week off. We never saw each other except in passing. 12-hour shifts and mandatory overtime, additional training, weapons qualifying, being called in on my day off. When we did get to see each other, he was clearly exhausted. That's what Brandy wrote in her article. Did you notice that? I noticed um, early in our marriage that someone had to pick up the slack here as far as uh, you have one spouse that works a lot of hours you have small children one of them gets ill somebody has to stay home and it usually was me that kind of builds a resentment in you and you have to realize and put it into perspective you know it's more important to keep a prison running than it is to show up at your secretarial job so you kind of put it into perspective and I always felt like I was the one that had to pick up that slack I absolutely agree with that. I think that was, um, if not an expectation from others, I I do think it was an expectation from me. I did look at that job as very important, and still to this day, I don't I don't bang it sick because I know how it affects the operations of the institution. I know how somebody else is going to get mandatory, so maybe I'm the one that put that pressure there. So. So I was at Missouri State Penitentiary for two and a half years, uh, got the transfer back home, came back to Ozark Correctional Center, which was less violent stress as far as going to work. Uh, Ozark Correctional Center was a minimum security. But at that same time, I remember I got selected as the leader for the dog team. And that gave us a whole other set of stressors and difficulties because I would get called out one or two o'clock in the morning, and then you wouldn't see me for two days. And back then, everybody, I mean, this is this is 28 years ago. Not everybody had a cell phone where you could text and where you could phone all the time. So um, some nights I just disappeared off into the night with the dogs, and you didn't know where I was at for maybe 24 hours or more. Do you remember those days? And do you remember your thoughts during that time? I can remember you being called out for maybe not days, but weeks, and I would think it was sort of like a vacation for you. And here I was at home doing 
all the things that had to be done by myself with two very small children. That's interesting. And we had those arguments. Yeah. yeah. The cows always got out as soon yeah. as I left for work. Um, and then you were stuck there trying to get deal with it. the cows back in. So at that time, you thought that I was on vacation because I was doing what was exciting and fun? Well, more exciting than taking care of two small children and trying to work and do all of those things. At least, you know, you got your meals paid for. <laughs> did I, did, I mean, from my perspective, during those times, I was, you know, we were doing building entries. Or we'd be chasing murderers through the woods, hoping that they didn't have a gun. Uh, I spent one night doing building entries in a, uh, a uh, subdivision near a lake looking for two guys that had just killed two security officers. They just shot them dead. So I think my perspective on that wasn't, it was exciting. And yes, I've always been drawn to that excitement, but uh, I don't know that I looked at it as a, a vacation away from stuff. That's interesting. Away away from the tedious monotony of uh, working and taking care of children and that kind of thing. That's, that's an interesting perspective. It, it truly is. Did you notice that I'm this? I don't think, but I'm going to ask you. You know, COs during this time, if you look at the studies, they start drinking a lot more. They start, um, some of them take illegal drugs. Um, what, did you see any of that in me at that time? No, you've always, I feel like, have been able to handle stress relatively well. I, throughout our marriage, and of course, this took time for me to realize your behavior was due to stress. When you get stressed, you have a tendency to start barking orders, which is irritating. And most of the time I overlook it, but there are days where I just like quit barking at me. I need a husband, not a captain or a sergeant or a lieutenant. Because, and you're, you're probably absolutely right, correctional officers spend all day giving orders making mm -hmm. people do things, and uh, I think we do get this sense of, um, come here inmate, you need to mop that floor. There's no time to wait for somebody to go do that. They're supposed to do it at that time. And so we're a little, we expect people to jump all the time when we say something, and do we do that? I guess that's what you're talking about. That's what we do when we get home. Did you notice that? Um, me doing that towards the children? Yes, at times. Uh, just this uh, harshness reality. Uh, you know, they're not inmates. They're kids. They do silly things. They I make think you've messes. Told me that. I have told you that over and over again. <laughs> you know, you just have to put it in perspective. And I've realized it comes with the job that everything isn't a crisis, everything isn't negative. Not all situations are going to turn out badly. So you saw a lot of, you saw expectations on my part of things being negative, always going to be bad. Uh, or could be bad, could, could be happen. Bad. Don't leave, don't do this. Do you realize what could happen? Don't leave your kids in a car. Don't let them go outside and play by themselves. Right. And well. from my perspective, I see the people that have done that bad stuff. Correct. You know, uh, Not everybody is a pedophile. Well, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, when you work in a prison and people are around your children, I think you do uh, start thinking that. Because when you see those guys in prison, a lot of them look like the guy living next door. A lot of them look like the 7-Eleven clerk. So it starts going in our mind. And we, we can't trust anybody. That's what goes on at work. Whether it's 8 hours or 16 hours, or at least I speak for myself, I don't trust people at work. The only people I trust are the ones who have ran to those body alarms or those emergencies with me, uh, who I know will back me up every time, but everybody else hasn't proven that level of trust to me. And 90% of who I deal with at work every day lies to me over and over and over again. So I'm constantly filtering lies. I'm constantly filtering through um, what inmates are saying to me to determine is this manipulation or is this something that they truly need um, and I think that's where that comes from and I, I absolutely agree with you that I bring that outside of work because I don't trust people at work or at home I do trust you I, I trust the children I don't trust everybody around you and the children I'm constantly alert and vigilant for when one of those soon-to-be inmates, I, I, it scares me to death that you guys would become a victim of those people I deal with. And so that's what goes on on the other side of it. So that's interesting. Were you ever worried about me while I was at work as far as getting injured? I was very confident in your ability because you come across as a very confident person. Uh, I'm probably like most of the public, I don't try not to put a lot of thought into what actually goes on there because it is an ugly place. I just would know that when you would come home and if you would take your clothes off, for example, in the garage and then throw them in the washer, that you probably had a very bad day at work. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, you know. Much of that came during the time I worked at the medical center in Springfield. Uh, we dealt with a lot of mental health inmates and we dealt with a lot of health issues. Absolutely, I'd come in through the garage, take my clothes off, kick my boots off there in the garage, take my clothes and drop them directly in the washer. Um, now sometimes I'd drop them in the laundry basket if I'd been playing with pepper spray, just to have fun with you. Wonderful. <laughs> but uh, no, when the, when the clothes went directly into the washer, that meant that I had probably had a bad day that we'd had one of those inmates who was smearing feces or I'd been around I mean we had inmates there who who had fungal diseases that they never identified and you feel dirty um, when you work in those areas I felt dirty most of the time I worked there I washed my hands almost obsessively while I was at work trying not to bring something home did you ever know I had those thoughts no, like I said, I try not to think overthink these things because then it causes anxiety and pressure in your own family. You try to keep a perspective on this as much as you can. Try to realize that in our situation, it was the best for our family as far as job-wise and just deal with it as best as you can. Not to say that it's always possible that you're going to deal with it in a positive way, 
but if you keep that in mind, you will learn and you will find a way that applies to your family what works best for you. And with us, it was me step back from the career and take over the daily household things that just kept the family running smoothly and allows you to pick up what you needed to do at work yeah. with a little, little as effect on our family as possible. And that's why that choice was the best one for our family. Yeah. Which I, I attribute to the fact why we have been able to make it this long. Yes. Um, you know, I'm sure there's some of you listening who uh, have long marriages, but as you know, divorce rates and corrections are, you know, very high. You know, police, fire, uh, and corrections have some of the highest divorce rates, and it's because of that stress and the schedules. And I do remember a lot of stress early on with if you were going to work and me trying to take the kids over to the babysitter before I went to work. And in the type of work I'm in, people notice if you're one minute late because somebody else isn't getting relieved on time. So that, that was never an option. My pay didn't get docked. I caused problems for other people. Somebody else had to work overtime. So there was the stress of always trying to get that done, the stress of things that you had to do at work, the stress of things I had to do at work, and oftentimes opposite schedules. When I first came back to Ozark Correctional Center, I was on midnights there for six months, you know, and that throws everything out of whack. Uh, as far as seeing each other uh, or kids, work, divvying up household work, trying to figure out who's going to do what. Um, she's smiling because she doesn't think I do any household work. Uh, but at the time, I did wash a dish or two. So when I talk about how violent it was inside the prison, were you ever nervous about violence outside the prison? that that job could bring violence to us? Did you know any of that? or Only one time I noticed it. I think it came to mind that this situation could happen to your family when we were in a grocery store and a person ran up to you that, former inmate. that knew yeah. you. At the time, I did not realize he was a former inmate. But, yeah, I started talking. Of course, it turned out to be a positive interaction but at the time I thought it could have been or could have gone the opposite way if he'd have held a resentment but uh, it turned out okay at the time but then it came across my mind that wow at any time someone that you supervised in the past could show up absolutely absolutely I've found and this is Brandy's words in the article I have found that introducing my husband as a CO in a new group of friends gets one of two responses. Either, oh, and an awkward silence, or wow, that's horrible. What, what did you deal with with that? When, it's usually always, oh. What do you take that they mean by that? That, uh, oh, they sit around all day and they don't really do anything. That we're guards more than guards. officers? I don't like the term guard, personally. I guess being in the field, you see things and you know things that most people in the public either choose not to know or they don't really know what it involves, mm -hmm. this job. It's a very stressful, a very tiresome job right. that takes a lot of effort to do. Absolutely. 
but I know just from talking to you in the past, the other reaction that we usually get when you tell somebody that I'm a CO is they want to see my uh, CO collection. Oh, yeah. It's always a great entertainment at parties. People love to hear these horror stories. There used to, I used to keep, I don't have any more, but there was a box for a long time that had some tattoo motors and shanks and, and stuff like that that, uh, you know, we confiscated over the years. And that would come out, that would always start conversations. And how did you feel when those conversations started? That there was more to life than prison. You wanted to talk about other things? I did. So did you become more vigilant? In some ways, I became more vigilant. Um, Do you think you would have if you had not met me and I had that career? Probably not. Yeah. How did you become more vigilant? What what types of things do do you watch out for? How much more aware are you now? And trying to be more aware of my surroundings. Try to have I wouldn't say a high level, but a medium level of preparedness. Try to keep in mind where the exits are. That's a correctional officer strategy. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't want to get stuck somewhere that you can't get out of. If right now, if I brought in the wife of a new correctional officer and she was uh, upset because she's starting to deal with all this stuff that you dealt with almost 30 years ago, what few words would you give her? What would you tell her to get through this? What, was you, what did you learn that you would pass on? I think the most helpful thing for myself was keeping in the forefront of my mind at all times what they are dealing with and not to take it so personally if they do snap at you or if they do bark an order to you. You just have to try to keep it in mind that underneath all of that, they really are a good person and just keep that in mind. That probably will help you the most as far as dealing with the issues of uh, running a home or a household if you do are dealing with it, which most families nowadays, both spouse works. They work outside the home. You just have to figure out what's going to work best for your own family, you know, whatever that is. I always feel like somebody somewhere has to give, though, and you just have to decide who which spouse it will be. And in our case, I felt like it was me that gave. Completely because of our personalities or because of my job? Both. You have a very strong personality, and most people that go into this field, whether they're a police officer, a firefighter, a correctional officer, they have very strong personalities. You have to deal with that. Okay. Probably what prepped me the most for dealing with you was my father. He had a very strong personality, so I was kind of aware of how to work you or deal with it. Right. Well, I want to thank you very much for sitting down with me today. I know everybody in the uh, audience out there is, can relate, or a lot of people can relate to what you're talking about, and I hope that we, uh, we get to have you back on soon. That's it for episode four. Stay safe out there. Watch each other's backs. Remember, you're the only person that each other has. Take care of each other.